0: We spoke last time some general introductions about the uh, approach, quote-unquote, answering questions and permuna and so on. And we, one of the things we mentioned was that a person needs to have a certain amount of hakdamas, certain amount of background uh, axioms and givens before he builds any type of edifice of understanding. So we'll try to give some of the background foundation-type material, uh, and only then we'll get to answering more specific questions. The first topic I want to deal with is God, and the the issue of God also raises a very fundamental question vis-a-vis the level of... Understanding that we have these things, and the type of um, questions, etc., that we can raise, and the, the range of answers, the God issue is something that has a lot wider-ranging effects than the issue itself, and I think that's part of what we'll try to discuss today. The first thing is that the central feature of our understanding of the religion is God. Not only whether God exists or not, and that being an important issue, but really as the underpinning of morality in general and so on. It's very closely allied to us with the rest of the, of the Torah and its validity. For instance, whether angels exist or not, is a question of uh, it's a question of true or false. Uh, the Torah can stand well without angels, uh, it, and if a person denies the existence of angels, he may be wrong on that, but it doesn't really shake the rest of it. The idea, concept of God, as we'll see in the next lectures, is something that is fundamental to the moral validity of the Torah. But let's first go to the issue of God. We said last time over from the Rambam that a person cannot believe something that he cannot define. You can't believe in something if that something is not definable. So our first question about God is not whether God exists or not. The first question is, what is God? If a Muslim believes in Allah, do we say that he's a kofir Do we say that he's, um, that he's not a maiman? If a Christian believes in Jesus, is that a problem? What exactly is the definition of God? What are core definitions and what are periphery? God is all-powerful, God is almighty, and so on. Is that the essential description of God or not? Um... Uh, for all of the adjectives you can give and describe as wonderful, extraordinary deeds, and so on and so forth, even the word infinite, is that the description of God? What is the description of God? So, I want to approach it, the description of God is actually given the Rambam, it's given the Ramchal, the definition of God, and I want to dis- to the to. Um, I I want to explain that definition by using a certain question to approach the issue. If you speak to a scientist, a secular scientist, or let's say an atheist, and you try to pin him down and say, where did the world come from? And he'll say there was the Big Bang, and where did the Big Bang come from? There was condensed matter, and condensed energy. And if you keep pushing it far enough, you will get to a point where he'll say, I don't know to which he will politely turn around to you and say, okay, young man, and how do you understand it? And you'll say, well, God created that. And he'll smile sweetly and he'll say, okay, and where did God come from? And you'll answer, you're not allowed to ask the question. So basically, your advantage is that you're from, and you can say you can't ask the question, but you really haven't given any satisfactory answer to the scientist. I mean, you both of you can't get to um, uh, an explanation of where everything came from. So, the, the, um, the resolution of that issue is by understanding what we mean when we say God. Let's go back to being the atheist. If we ask ourselves to analyze the computer that we call the human mind, and try to understand the basic logic, the basic system that the computer deals with. You will say the, the most basic, uh, I guess, algorithm or the most basic building block of a logical circuit is everything in the world comes from something else. Everything is caused by something. That is the um, simplest piece of relationship that we can come up with. Um, if somebody asks you, where does this table come from? The answer is a carpenter, mm. wood, etc. Where does the carpenter come from? was one so-and-so. <coughs> the type of answer it is within the nature of tables to exist is a non-answer on the logic system that we call the mind. It just doesn't Um, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's a meaningless statement that a table does not need a cause. Cause and effect to us are the simplest building blocks of reason. Now, using that tool, which is called reason, which is the human mind, if we look around the universe, we get a lot of wonderful discoveries. By using that tool, everything needs a cause. We are able to unearth Um, a lot of the mechanics of the world around us. And that's why it is such a powerful tool. Um, I'm not aware if animals have that sense. Animals can associate things. They can associate this person with a stick, that person with with breadcrumbs, but to feed the birds or whatever it is. But I don't think the sense of reasoning, uh, the the formal sense of reasoning where we have it exists. We have it. And it's a very, very, very powerful tool. Now, let's take that tool and focus it at at the core of existence. What we come up with is a paradox. If everything needs a cause to exist, then nothing could exist. Because what was the cause of the very first thing? Infinite is not something that's meaningful on the human reason. There is no such thing as infinite. Infinite doesn't mean anything. It's, it's non-quantifiable. It, 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 it doesn't fit into it. And without cause doesn't mean anything. So there's an inherent paradox. The world exists. There are things. There is matter. And, and there's matter and there are form. There are laws that govern matter at its very basic um, level. Those things are. And the question from where is infinite. And there is no way we can deal with that. Infinite, if I tell you that I have an infinite amount of coffee, human mind says that's a meaningless statement. The word infinite is meaningless. It it's basically describes when we can't count. Doesn't doesn't have any meaning to the human mind. So when we look around us, we are forced to say the following. The reality the, is... Reality, existence, um, the, the, the essence of the world is something which the human mind does not have inherently the tools to measure. it. Similar to, and if we think it's so off, um, there are light waves that the eye can't see. If you were to take a primitive person and say there's ultraviolet light, and I say, oh, that sounds fascinating, let me look at it. And say, well, you can't see it. And the person says, well, if I can't see it, then there's no such light. So, you know, we do tell there are animals that can see it. There, uh, there's infrared light. And, and I could tell somebody that at night when it's pitch dark, I can take a picture. The camera can, quote-unquote, see. And when mm-hmm. the camera sees, I see, the person says it's impossible. It's, just, it, it, it's a contradiction. And the answer is the human eye is limited. It has a range of wavelengths. And we live at that limit, same with the human air, etc. It's very tough for us to understand that the human mind has an inherent limit. Reason is not the inherent, it, it's not big enough to encompass reality. It's short of reality. Just like the eyes are short of, the, of what we would call um, the, the seeing, of the full range of wavelengths that can be seen, um, the mind is short. It's great for within the context of what exists. It is meaningless to to describe what's outside. So the first point is we are forced to say that the human mind in the sense of comprehension is short to, to, is too short to, um, I- to encompass the comprehension of existence. That's point one. Yes? Um, doesn't that sort of suggest that perhaps it could be an sort of infinity, <coughs> infinite cause and effect, but we just, because of the shortness of our mind, can't really recognize right. what that means? Right, okay. Um, so the, the question, is so maybe the answer is infinite, and it doesn't have, you know, and uh, we just don't understand it. That's fine, um, but the the one thing, the, the first point that's made is that it it, it's, um, it does not um, it it does not fall into what the mind could possibly deal with with the regular rational procedure. And let's well, we're going to flesh it out because making one point is obviously not the entire picture. And like you pointed out, we could just uh, fix a bit our answer and so on. The second point that we can say, even things that we don't understand, we can make certain statements about it. For instance, um, in algebra, we learn how to make statements about X's that we don't know. I can tell you that no matter what X is, if X is bananas, it's money I have in the bank, if it's people in a room, if, uh, if I count a quarter of those X's and it's 25 units, then there are 100 there. It makes no difference what it is. I can deal in a limited way. When i solve solved the equation of 4x equals, or, or x over 4 equals 25, x equals 100, I've solved one part of it, but I haven't solved the entire part of it. So I can make certain statements. Let's take another example. The word infinity is a meaningless statement for our mind. Our mind is limited, and it needs limits to work with. So if somebody comes along and tells me he got himself an Infinite coffee machine. Um, I don't know what that means, but I can tell you if that's true. I never, if I ever catch you going down to Magruder's to buy a coffee, I know that you lied. The implication of that uh, statement is that you're never going to be buying coffee somewhere else again. Which is so I can I can that's an implication that I can deal with, even though I can't deal with the essence of it. So I can deal. Um, The square root of 2 is a number which does not fit into the number system, but it exists. Anyone who's ever drawn a square and a diagonal, and the square is, um, the sides of the square are regular numbers. Uh, Any number that's in our counting system, um, the the, the, the diagonal is a square root of 2 times. But it's not, so I can deal with it, and I can say, What will happen? I can make many statements about it, even though I cannot define that statement in terms of the number system that I have. So we can deal with certain things that are outside, but in a limited way. So the first statement we're going to make is, there exists something in the universe that the law of cause and effect does not apply to it. It does not need anything for its existence it does not need a cause for its existence which means that it is a type of existence that we can say the words and we can, we can say certain things about it even though the mind doesn't really sit well with it we spoke last time about a concept called um or Mishyashheves Das. the concept of something not having a reason is to exist is not something that the mind can digest but it is a necessity if the world is to exist there has to be a prime being whose existence is not um, determined by anything else that will probably be our core definition of God you know the Rambam calls it a motzi Rishon And the Rambam puts down two important postulates about it. Um, Would you mind giving me the Mishnah Torah on on the right side? Yeah. Thank you. Let's use the Rambam description because the Rambam is the um, Yisoda Yisodos. He says, Yisoda Yisodos Amor is the very, very first from Mishnah Torah. Leda is to know Sheyesh Shom Motzirishin that there exists a prime being. Prime meaning um, not caused by anything else. That we can label that entity prime. Vuhumam tzikolimtsa. Everything after that is cause and effect from that prime being. And anything else, anything other than that prime being, um, are a result of that prime being. Because we have yet to find anything within our experience that doesn't have cause and effect. Now he adds two corollaries that flesh out the entirety of that. One is, that's Allah Beisner Rambam. If we were to picture that he does not exist, if one could picture something like that, then automatically it follows nothing else were to exist. In other words, there is one inherent entity that is called existence, and everything else is by cause of that. Uh, Just one second, let's finish the other half, and we'll take the question on that one. Halacha Gimel is, and if anything else were not to exist, it would not affect his existence, and he would not um, cease to exist if they stopped to exist. Because everything within the realm of existence needs it to exist, Whereas, He, God, does not need any of them to exist. That is the the, 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 the most essential definition of God. Yes, professor. Are these axiomatic definitions that we just have to accept? Why couldn't you say that there was prime existence that didn't have anything else be it Didn't have it, it wasn't dependent on anything else causing it. So everything, it caused the cause and effect that we see today. But it stopped it, it, it disappeared, whatever, it, it went away. However you want to say that. Well, okay, and why would everything else have to disappear if you Okay, that? Th- that that is a very good question. And let's and and let's answer because I think this is what the Ramba means. First, um I am flesh and blood. So I came from cells that merged and grew into me. Cells need things to exist. It needs food, water, protection, etc., etc. Take away any of the needs, then it is, I cease to exist. So, let's say anything in the world that its existence is based on something else, when the other thing ceases to exist, by definition, if the things that cause me cease to exist, then I cease to exist because I am a dependent. Th- the moment that my existence is not inherent, um, for instance, l- let's take the word essential and, and, uh, I- I- and uh, peripheral in a different sense. Um, it, a car has an air conditioner and it has an engine. Take away the air conditioner, the, cost or of the car still functions as a car. So obviously the air conditioner is not the car. Take away the engine, the car is no longer a car. Human beings, their existence, and human beings and and everything within the realm of existence, um, for instance, rocks exist because of a certain bond between atoms and a certain structure and so on. Break those bonds, disrupt the structure and so on. If you need something to exist, then taking that away cause you to cease to exist. But if you define something that its existence is dependent on nothing, then what causes its non existence? Um, that's really the, the, the point of Ramba. We we can't and it on a more practical level it means as follows. Um, we cannot we cannot find anything within ourselves that we can't trace back to God. And no matter what we do, we cannot cause God, we can't cause any change in God's existence. Well, if we do avarice, if we do mitzvahs, if we do good things, do bad things, if we're destructive, construct, whatever it is, we're not essentially changing God. Could yes? Could God cause change in God's own existence? Could God remove himself, so to speak, from existence? Um, I, I, I have no way of dealing with that that's like infinity times 2 over infinity. I don't know. I, I I I it's it's one of those questions that it's it's um it's hard enough to deal with God in our realm. I don't know. They don't I don't know. It's it's like dividing 5 by 0. It's just it's just a meaningless it's, now. Let's go back to the point that w- we started about we would call it the um it, not about God himself. I want to pause a minute. And I want to go back to the epistemology of God, and I want to make an important point here, and it relates to a type of question like like uh, just asked. So, if we say that God is under not film the realm of understanding, one can one can then make another statement which is false. It sounds like it's part of the original statement, and then we run into a lot of trouble. If we say God cannot be understood totally. Incom- completely ununderstandable, S- and the mind is of no use in anything to do with the God and the divine. That leaves me open to a million and one hucksters, Scientologist, Everyone asks me, everyone asks me to retire my mind and to believe. So, um, because if God is beyond understanding, so then I'm stuck with every Mishugana and his picture of God. And and that, that can't be right. Uh, I would also like to try to understand why God gave us a mind. It's hard to believe that the only purpose of mind is to do equations. Um, it, you know, the wisdom and understanding of truth with a capital T. And the, the, the larger, greater issues of humanity. If the mind is utterly, totally helpless, then there's no point to it. It seems to us very, very wrong. I tell of a lot of times. in The Shabbos Shalom, Rebbe. He was thinking of a man. who asked him about staying up all night before the Bris, and he didn't hold. He didn't feel. He felt that it causes people to be kind of groggy, and um, and they're, they go through emotions, the but it, they're not fully uh, awake at the Bris, and they're not um, really fully uh, taking what's happening, and so on. So he told them, uh, kind of parable that he once spoke to a peasant in which is where he grew up, and the peasant was a sort of philosophical type of peasant, and he said he's done a lot of thinking about the human body, and he's come up with the function of every organ except for one, and that's the head, and he thought a lot about it, and he finally realized it is the perfect organ to put a head on. I guess it was a very yeshivish a peasant, and he needed a hat. But, the, but the, um, the, point of it, the point of the parable was how can it be that every, you're going to do the midst of the brisk middle of every organ in your body except your head is going to be somewhere in, in never-never land and you need to have your head. It can't be that our most precious organ and the one that is arguably the most spiritual of, of the body is utterly useless. So the answer to that is going to be and this is a very crucial component to approaching, more from the epistemology of of divinity, etc., is it's like an iceberg. There are parts and pieces that fit well into Seichel, and Seichel uses that to determine the picture that can't be seen. It's just like ancient imaging before the computer era could only deal with the images that came up. So an X-ray of a bone showed the bone, and what you saw was what you got, and that's it. Um, Modern imaging takes many images. The computer (coughs) constructs, or reconstructs maybe is the word, the, what, if these are all the images you get from all the sides, then this is probably what it looks like. Whether it's CAT scans, whether it's MRIs, it's, it's the computer sits... And um, figures out from the information I have what must be the truth. So our approach to God is twofold. We understand that the essence of God is not um, is not given to analysis by reason, but much of God God protrudes in our world, so to speak, in a way that reason can uh, deal with it. The Rambam, when he describes, um, in, in Merna he describes the, the, the uh, obligation and the ability to learn about God's justice, he makes the following point. He says, it is important to learn as much about as we can and as much to learn, but we can never be in a position to reconstruct the... Um, and to, uh, to reconstruct uh, the, the fullness of God's Chochmah. Um, w- we know bits and pieces. And believe it or not, we function very well. Science has tons of unanswered questions, but there are many questions that are answered, and they're very, very useful. It's, it's not a problem to recognize what you don't know and what you do know. The difference here is it's recognizing what you can't know and what you can know. So Seichel can be a useful guide and a critical guide to bringing you to the area that's right, but at some point, there's going to be an unknown there. If we want to, um, if you want to use a parable we can relate to, is the human soul. As you get to know a person, no one, no one can claim that he's read somebody else's mind totally. <coughs> and, it w- just like if I look at a person's hair I can tell you how much hair he has and, <coughs> and the color of the hair and everything about the hair and I have everything in the chemical analysis <coughs> with a person's quote unquote soul I don't have that but as I get to know a person better and better I have from the things that the person has said done, interacted, etc I definitely feel I have a handle on the inner side of him it's going to be the same way with God. <coughs> We're going to get a good understanding of the periphery, or, or not periphery, but I would say the part that protrudes in our world that God chose to put in our world, and but not further than that. And drawing that line is a very, very important, um, a very, very important fundamental in approaching it. It's really a Mishnah. The Mishnah in Chagiga speaks about the esoteric wisdoms, about Kabbalah, Maizam Precious, is what it's called. And it says if somebody asks what's behind that, what's in front of that, it shows that he does not um, respect his Creator. What, whatever it is, and we'll, we'll speak at some other point about what these things are. But the one thing is clear. The Mishnah says, There is wisdom that should be accessible to everyone. There is wisdom that only people with greater abilities and finer thinking have access to and ought to have access to. The mission makes a point of not disseminating it broadly because it's easily misunderstood. And it's important to recognize there are lines past which human reason does not go. It's not as if there's secrets there, quote-unquote, that we can't probe but God doesn't like us looking in his closet. It's rather, um, it's, it's rather oh. unapproachable by human mind. So there's a dual approach. We need, if a person is to ask himself, why am I a Jew? Why Torah? Um, a person who became Jewish, a person who came from, certainly went to that question, and there are answers to it. Um, reason can guide him to this area and to say the MS lies somewhere here, but reason will never take him to the fullness of understanding the other person. So, just like, and if we need a Marshall, um, friendship. The more you get to know a person, the more the more you spend time with him, the better you get to know him. But no one will ever say, I've I've seen the inner recesses of his mind. We haven't. And therefore, we learn to live with it. We learn to live with we choose our Zivuk, we choose our business partners, we choose our employees, we choose our friends, based on what's revealed. Once in a while, we find out we made a terrible mistake, but by and large, it's a useful guide, and um, you can predict behavior, even though not 100%, based on from what you know to what you don't know. There is a Rashi that actually says this with regards to God. It's a, it's a Rashi in Akev it says um, it, it says uh, 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 um, the rechokim and the Krovim speaks about a Zarah and it says, Rashi says the Krovim rechokim Mitoch Mitoch Tivan Krovim Ata Omed Al by analyzing the ones close to you you can gain a sense about the ones further out um, meaning the following you know the Abadazarus that, that are local, and they might look impressive, but really um, they're, they're, they're empty, they're nothing, they're meaningless. Even if you come to a far right place and they have this very impressive temple and the magnificent services and things will really look great, learn by equation that there is nothing in a piece of wood or a piece of stone. Now, uh, learn from what you see at hand to what you don't see at hand so the the um, the the, the uh, w- relating to how we understand God and how we're going to deal with it is going to be built on this duality we can never ask a question that concerns the fullness of God's motives in other words why would God do something like that if the question is psychological. We're putting God on the um, sofa and saying what is God's inner hang ups? That question is a no question. Um if the question is if a Baruch Hu set up a world where he wants Shar and Onesh, why is he giving on and Skar to The question is a valid question. Like Yaakov said, Ta atomata I, I'm I'm asking within the context of what you said, if this is what you said, I need to understand this. And um, the Malma explains, and it's, it's quite pressure, There are three places in Tanakh where the question of the uh, Rallo was asked. It says that Chavakot Vil Chavakot Shigyonos. asked it. The the, the in in and Gimel asked it. You know, and they all describe they're wrestling with the question of Rosh HaVetolo, Tzarek And he explains very clearly that the question is a valid question within the context of what God has said already. In other words, if Hashem said X and what's happening is Y, I need to understand that. But I can't ask God, why do you choose to, to do things this way, that way, or the other way? There are no questions on the system, because um, the system is outside the realm of, of question, because even by the very nature of the way we are, def- you know, we can't keep going to an um, infinite amount of, of systems. So, our Contrasproche gave us a system, and within that system, reason functions, and reason is a very appropriate tool, and we need to exercise it as much as we can. Outside that realm, we can't. So let's just cap up, and let me add one more point to this. The, um, the Our definition of God, and if we call it Allah, it doesn't make any difference. As long as the definition is that whose existence is completely independent of any cause, needs nothing else to exist, and... Everyone else's existence is dependent. Everything else is dependent. By that definition, um, if if that's how you define God, then you have God. It's uh, Hashem is one way of saying it. God is another way of saying it. Allah is another way of saying it. If that's what you mean, if you mean something else, if you mean the sum total of natural laws, um, without adding this point, then it's um, then you don't have definition. There are some more points. That are very critical, um, the sense of Akkardeshbaru having a will and so on. But let's leave that alone and for another time. This is important. One of the important fallouts of this, and this is a critical piece in our attitude, um, in our attitude uh, towards the way we deal with Akkardeshbaru. You will find many times in newspaper, in Jewish newspapers of sorts, um, every so often. An executive vice president of some very important jewish organization you know all jews for judaism and israel type um, gets up and he has a big article uh, in one of the more um, progressive newspapers and a picture to go with it that he stood up to god and said god i don't buy anything from you if you caused auschwitz you've got a problem with me and to loud clapping um, He cheers, he takes God head on, and is portrayed as being a very fearless, outspoken person who dares to take on God. The picture, the way we would picture that is, the following way. Let's say I was having an argument with Einstein. Um, Einstein is much, much smarter than me. Chances are, 99 to 1, he would win. Um, But if I won, that's not an impossibility. That's, that's, uh, that's um, possible. The fact that he's smarter than me doesn't mean... I, I am me. I have my own understandings. He has his understandings. He's much bigger and smarter, but I, can, I could make a point. Um, same thing with strength. It is conceivable that I take on somebody who's a world-class wrestler, and by luck or by pluck or by chachma um, or uh, um, fluke strength, I just happen to hit the right place, I knock him out. I would say the chances are slim, but there's nothing wrong, there's, there's no, um, uh, you know, it, there's nothing about it that I would call an impossibility. But let's say I'm a ventriloquist. I remember when I was a little boy, um, there was a so-called Ed Sullivan show, a variety show, that was the famous show in those days, on Sunday nights, and there was a, a very, a massive ventriloquist, a Jewish guy who had a puppet called Velvy, and Velvi was very smart and very sharp. He was a very Jewish puppet. And name like Velvi, you can't help it. And the, 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 um, the, the cuteness of it was that he always outfoxed and outsmarted the ventriloquist. He was always getting the lines on the ventriloquist. And Velvey really, really was doing well. Now, so somebody could say, well, you know, s- some puppets are smarter than the masters. I, I mean, that's ludicrous. It, because the puppet only has what the master puts into it. The idea that I can stand up to God is a picture of God that's not God. It's a picture of God being this big, strong, fairy, mighty, g- wise, good, whatever you want. That's, that's As great as God is, if he doesn't follow the definition we follow, then it's not impossible for me to take him on. But if A Baruch Hu is existence, and we take existence from him, just like no computer program can ever be smarter than a programmer, it could be quicker because computers are quick, but it can't be smarter. And um, we are from Hashem. And besides, let, let's let's forget the modesty that the, an executive vice president of American Jews for Israel should assume, despite his great qualifications. But let's forget about. This. Let's let's talk about the smartest, best, greatest man. It's it's about as meaningful as the puppet turning around and sticking out its tongue at the puppet. There is no. We don't have. The mind, except through God, it's it. Our mind is a a bestowed mind from God's wisdom, and therefore the core of of God does not allow for anything like that. We have th- th- then the picture of God we have is just simply not God. So that whole genre of me against God is a very um. What it, it's a very contemporary with God is this big, uh, you know hoary, old, guys, strong, wise, whatever it is. That's Avodah it's, Zarah. It's a meaningless thing. There, there, there is no such God like that, and it doesn't exist. And uh, it, it, God is a very, very different picture, and we struggle to understand within the framework that he allowed us to understand. We have to struggle, and we have to understand, based on the Colom he gave us and trying to apply and so on, but there are no existential questions against God, because God exists and we don't. That's a very, very fundamental point That to that whole genre of man-God dialogues. Um, if anyone ever learned EOV, people quote, but they never learnt it. So, EOV basically, h- his argument is that he wants to cease to exist. He's not troubled with God, not very much. He's troubled with himself. And, and basically saying whatever you have in mind, that's up to you. I don't want this life. The real the, Eo's real um, struggle is I don't. I, I want to have the freedom to decide not to exist, um, and that's a very deep issue in its own right. But it's not. He, he's not taking up with with God. He's saying, basically, the the, the amuna there is I have. I can't stand up to God. But the one thing I can say is I don't want whatever I'm getting. That was a, 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 an issue also. But I him. I want to sum up, we define God, the most important that God is not to prove its existence as much as to define it and have the accurate definition. Um, it's important to understand the tools with which you can approach a knowledge of God, a confirmation of God, an understanding of God. Understanding it's a dual, there is God, the essential God that is completely out of the realm of our um, definition, etc. There is the God that has a relationship with us, that, and that part, we, the mind can understand, it might need to work hard to understand, it might need to know Torah to understand, but it can understand. And then there is the God, and, 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 and that God is the one that we can deal with. But we're always dealing with intuitions and we need to separate it. Are we dealing with an existential question of God? Then it's non-question. Non, non Are we dealing with a question within that framework? Yes, then we need to deal with it. Sometimes we can answer, sometimes we can't. But it's doable. Okay, we'll we'll hold it here.